To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning, the day after Independence Day, is from uh, Romans chapter 13. You heard that read before. I recall just these words. The government is God's servant working for your good. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who rules over all, and will return on the last day to rule over everything for all eternity, my beloved. So, are you a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent or a Libertarian? It doesn't really matter if you are a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. God loves you regardless of your political leanings. We are blessed and to remember on this 4th of July weekend that we still live in a country that grants separation between church and state. Governments stay out of the church's business. Church stay out of the government's business. Separation of church and state. Politics and religion. Now, that's a different matter. Politics and religion have intertwined themselves for many, many years. Take a look at our current situation here in the, in the United States. Atheism, which is a religion, has convinced our politicians that there should be no prayer in public schools, no Christmas displays on public land, no Christian songs at Christmas time in public schools, and uh, God forbid that we should call it Easter break anymore. It has to be spring break. Now, to set the word straight right from the very beginning, politics is not a bad word. Politics actually comes from the Greek word polis, which means city. City is a group of people. And whenever you get a few people together, you have a political situation, and everybody will have differing ideas. Family, neighborhood, village, city, state, nation, Enter government, God's earthly agent to keep the peace, an institution to help everyone as much as possible move in the same direction in peace. Before us today in Romans chapter 13 is St. Paul's treatise on earthly government. And these words remind us that the governments that exist all around the world 
have been put in place by God. And I think that's a good reminder for us in 2020 because as we look around the world, it looks like there's no peace anywhere. But these words remind us that God still knows what he's doing and he puts governments in place. Just exactly what is government? Well, certainly it's more than just some one man or one woman leader of a country. Thanks be to God, here in the United States, we still have local government, county government, city government, state government, federal government. They provide for us, thanks be to God, fire and police protection, regulated utilities, due process of law, roads, highways, public education, welfare, social security, military pro protection. Here in the United States, be thankful for these freedoms that we enjoy. Now, when it comes to governmental leaders, Washington and Jefferson and Roosevelt and Lincoln and Hitler and Tojo and Stalin and Obama and Walker and Putin and Trump and Evers were and are in their positions at God's placing. Proverbs chapter 8. God says, through me kings reign and rulers decree fair laws. Through me princes rule. So do nobles and all fair judges. And let's not forget when, Saint, when uh, Jesus was on trial before Pontius Pilate, the powerful governor, Pilate said to Jesus, don't you know that I have the authority to free you or to crucify you? Jesus said, you wouldn't have any authority at all over me if it hadn't been given to you from above. Since all governments have been placed by God, God says, obey them. Disobedience to the government is disobedience to me. All governments have been established by God. Things are the way they are today around the globe because that's exactly the way God wants it. But why? Because God is God and you are not. Some governments may be oppressive. They may give directions to disobey God. And that's the only possible reason for disobeying a government. government. They tell you to do something which is in disobedience to God, and you might have to say it's better to obey God rather than men. And then you may have to, well, suffer the consequences, and that's what persecution is all about. St. Paul tells us, the government is God's servant working for your good. Somebody said, uh, 
earthly governments are sort of like God's left hand. And his church of believers is his right hand. And he always uses his left hand for the good of his right hand. Sometimes we can't understand how good can come out of oppressive governments. But God uses, he uses all governments for his own purpose. All governments are God's servants. Did you ever think about that? We think that in the United States we're so blessed here that the government is to serve us. They are our servants and that's correct. But even more appropriate and more truthful is that government is God's servant. Serving him even when they don't know it. Pharaoh, powerful king of Egypt, kept God's people in slavery for 400 years. Our nation isn't even 250 years old. They were in slavery for 400 years. But it was a blessing under that oppressive rule because during that period of time, God's people grew into a great nation one of the great promises to Abraham. And that oppressive Roman government, persecuting Christians. But they also created safe roads for the gospel to be preached. The rule of law, equal treatment. That's why Paul finally had a trial in Rome. That's why he had to stop along the way in Philippi and be jailed. If he hadn't been there, he would have never preached the gospel to the jailer of Philippi and baptized his whole family. Babylon destroyed Jerusalem, carried away the captives for 70 years, but kept that remnant safe to return to Judah and Judea so that Jesus could be born. And then there was big shot, Caesar Augustus taking his census, just a pawn in God's hand. Because if he hadn't made that decree, Jesus would have been born in Nazareth. And all the prophecies of hundreds of years ago would have fallen short. But Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem, the house and lineage of David, and so the scriptures were fulfilled. Caesar Augustus, a pawn in the hand of God. In Jesus' adulthood, the Romans were the occupying force, and so crucifixion was the form of capital punishment and execution. If it had not been, then those prophecies a thousand years before would not have been fulfilled. A mob has encircled me, Psalm 22. They have pierced my hands and my feet. God uses government to carry out his purposes always for the good of his believers kind of interesting. People don't like oppressive governments, but history shows us that uh, the church doesn't really always do so well in times of prosperity. We tend to take God's word for granted. The church has always flourished in times of adversity. St. Paul also tells us the government has the right to carry out the death sentence. Actually, if you take a look at the Greek, a better translation is that the government doesn't carry the sword for nothing. 
It says, uh, the Greek says, he is God's servant and agent of wrath to bring punishment to evildoers. Believe it or not, God gives the government and the government really alone the right to take a life. A Roman soldier carried a sword and it had two edges. It was used for two things. One for execution, capital punishment, and the other thing for war to protect the nation. God does give the approval of capital punishment, the taking of a human life. But he says you better use that very judiciously. In fact, in the Old Testament, you could never execute capital punishment for death unless you had two eyewitnesses that actually saw a murder take place. Capital punishment, taking the life of a person, very rare. But God does the, give the government the right to send men and women to bear arms to war, to take the life perhaps of another human being and it would not be murder because it would be self-defense of the nation. And we should be reminded on this Independence Weekend that the price of peace is eternal vigilance. Finally, the responsibilities that he tells us that we have. Pay your taxes. Government are God's servants. Pay whatever you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay them. Tolls, pay them. Someone respect and honor. We owe, be, owe obedience to the authorities in power. We owe taxes. You know what that means? That your W-2s and your Form 1040s are actually good things. But when it comes to our government, let's face it, we have all erred. We fail to get involved. Do you all know the name of your alderman? How about your senator, your assemblyman? Politics is not a bad thing. It's just a reality of which we cannot afford to remain ignorant. You have to know what's going on. You, ha you have to know what's going on so you, you can have an opinion as to what is right according to God's word. We need, in fact, to encourage more young men and Christian young men and women to enter politics, to be elected, we need good Christians in government. And thanks be to God, our nation still gives us the right to vote, to get involved. To know what's happening in our communities, in our villages, in our cities, in our state, in our nations. And especially Christians have to get involved because evil triumphs when good men do nothing. So once again, I ask the question, are you a Democrat, a Republican, independent, libertarian? It doesn't really matter because as a child of God, Jesus loves you nevertheless. But he encourages all of us to obey the government in power. It's established by God. It is God's servant working for your good. It does not carry the sword in vain. And it is owed taxes, respect, and honor. God knows exactly what he's doing. Through me, kings reign and rule. Rules, rulers decree fair laws. Through me, princes rule. So do nobles and all fair judges. And as Jesus said, you wouldn't have any authority over me at all if it had not been given to you from above. God uses the left hand 
for the benefit of his right hand. And he always knows what he's doing. And all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose. And God granted for Jesus' sake, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please stand. This morning we confess our faith with the uh, last part of the uh, Apostles' Creed, the third article, according to Dr. Martin Luther's words in the, um, in the third article. Let's join together. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true.